The big mistakes people make with college aid. This is Journal Report. Timely topics, important information from the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to Journal Report. I'm Jennifer Strong in New York. As the school year ends, summer vacation offers parents and students a chance to focus on what may be their most dreaded subject: paying for college. Joining us with the story is Wall Street Journal contributor Hannah Schoenberger. Hannah, you say many deserve an A for effort, but a C for execution. Well, people are trying their hardest, but they're really doing it wrong. And one of the worst things families are doing is they're not applying for aid. Virtually every family in America will qualify for aid, except for the very richest. And even some people who think their incomes are too high or their assets are too high, depending on how their assets are structured, depending on how many children they have in college, and depending on, you know, how their income fluctuates, they may actually qualify for aid. So one thing that we should get out of the way is the idea of the free ride. People think my kid is going to get a free ride to college, or my kid couldn't possibly get a free ride to college. Free rides are incredibly rare. They're single-digit percentages of kids who are getting these. Almost nobody is. So your kid will not get a free ride statistically. What your kid could get is some percentage off, some sort of a discount, and they're also very unlikely to get. Merit aid because merit aid is usually something colleges give to students that they're trying to attract. So your kid would really have to be overqualified for a college to get merit aid. So what you're most likely to get is needs-based financial aid, and for some percentage of the tuition. So let's walk through some of these other mistakes that families make. The first, as you say, simply not applying for aid at all. Another one you list is not looking into a 529. We write about 529s all the time here. These are the tax-advantaged federal savings accounts for college. So if you put money into a 529, it's after-tax money. It grows tax-free, and when you take that money out for qualified education. Educational expenses. These include things like tuition, books, computers for for higher education at an accredited school. Then that money is not taxed again. So the the money you put in is not taxed, and the gains it's made while in your account is not taxed. So you're you're basically just getting a free giveaway to pay for college from the government. There's really no downside to saving in one of these because if the student you've been saving for decides not to go to college. Or gets a scholarship, or goes to a military academy, or somehow your that money isn't being used. There are a number of things you can do to get the money out, or either with paying no penalty or paying a very small penalty, or you can retitle the account for another student in the original beneficiary's family. So a sibling, a cousin, yourself, if you're a relative. It's really pretty amazing. And what about budgeting? It sounds like most people don't take into consideration the true cost of attending school. Yeah, one thing that people don't think about is housing and food. The school will give you a total cost of attendance if you ask them, and、um, it's it's not always entirely clear how they calculate it. But you definitely want to find out what it's actually going to cost for your student to go to this particular school. So there are a lot of You know what ifs that you should run through. So some of the ones we talk about are, you know, what if your student is is planning to graduate early and the work is too hard, she ends up dropping a class, she does badly in another class, then she gets an academic probation, she loses some of her financial aid, right? What if she has to move in the middle of a year because her roommate doesn't work out, or I don't know, her apartment is infested with rats or something?、Um, what if your as parents? What if your income goes up? And then your student loses some aid because she doesn't qualify for it anymore. What if you've planned for your student to get a job but she can't find a job, or she can't find a job that gives her enough hours?、Uh, 
Um, these are all things that you have to think about because the last thing you want is for your student to have to drop out because she can't pay for it because then you've incurred in most cases, you will have incurred student debt to pay for the college credits that she has, but she won't get the benefit of a diploma. And how about scholarships? What did you learn there? So scholarships are awesome. Obviously, if you right. can get a scholarship, you're getting someone else to pay for school. You should do that. Please do it. Um, you can start uh, very early. There are scholarships even for elementary school students to go to college. They put the money away for you. And um, you should really start by going to your, you know, your high school college counselor's office and seeing what other graduates in your high school have received in the past. Um, you're most likely to qualify for local scholarships. Some enterprising students even, you know, go door to door to local businesses to see if they have any scholarships or to encourage them to start scholarships. It's obviously good business for them. You know, it's a good community service thing for them to do. One stat that I got was 0.2% of students will get $25,000 or more in scholarships for one year. That's practically nobody. So what you're going to have to do is put together a bunch of small scholarships. There are lots of free scholarship matching services online. Do not pay a fee for this service. That's a scam. Um, There are plenty of credible places where you can get this information for free. And what they usually do is they ask you for your, your you know, biographical details and put in everything, even if it seems intrusive or weird, because wh- what they're doing is they're matching you with specific scholarships based on where your ancestors are from or whether a sibling has cancer or whether you have an interesting hobby like marble collecting or th- these, these are all things that there are actual, you know, college scholarships for. So you should really put in as much detail as you can. We're talking about paying for college with Hannah Schoenberger and you're listening to Journal Report from The Wall Street Journal. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hana, another common mistake you found while researching this is that we obsess about elite schools. Yeah, so the Ivy League really dominates the conversation when people talk about getting into college, and this is understandable, but just 2.7% of undergraduate applications in 2015 went to the Ivy League, which is only eight universities. So those are applications, not individuals. So virtually all those applications represent somebody who applied to more than one Ivy League school. Really, nobody is applying to these schools. So if your student is Ivy League bound, you probably know that already. If your student is not Ivy League bound, not to say that you shouldn't apply to these schools, but you really need to think about how your student is best served. And they're, you know, according to the College Board, they're really best served if they go to a school that's a match for them academically and that their family can afford. So you want them to be challenged academically, but not overwhelmed, because then they're more likely to drop out. So reach for the stars, absolutely. Work as hard as you can in high school, but really look for school that's a good match for you, and that's a good bang for your buck, based on how much your family can afford to pay. What you don't want to do is send your student to a school that's very expensive, but that has a low payoff. That's Wall Street Journal contributor Hannah Schoenberger. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. From the newsroom in New York, I'm Jennifer Strong. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast, because the future is closer than you think.
All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.